second hour of what's up black lives matter special broadcasting live from our homes through lumpen radio my name is ash and we're also here with nine melissa Gio, marie and emmanuel today's show is in honor of all the black lives that have been taken by the police thank you ash now we will go into talking about the protests um some of us have attended some of the protests in the city and in our local communities um, so yeah, I'm gonna go. We're gonna go into conversation about that and why it's important to protest. Um, so I know Melissa, Gio, and Ash were part of different protests. Wh- which ones did you guys attend? Um, I only attended the one on Saturday. So yeah, in Little Village. No, the one downtown, like um, the like the beginning. I think it was May thirty first or thirtieth. Thirtieth, yeah. Yeah. I was there the 30th as well, and I was also in the Little Village one, June 5th. Yes, I was at the same one with Gio. Awesome. I was part of um, Saturday downtown evening, May 30th, and Pilsen on June 3rd. So let's talk about why it's important to protest. Like, you know, hearing these audios of the protest. Remind me of the moment when I was there, just like seeing people come together for, to raise awareness and to amplify voices. Like, honestly, just being there made it feel like energy feel, felt so powerful and like important and healing in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Cause, well, I only went to one, but um, it felt like a very like united moment or like, I, I could like understand other people's struggles and like it, it kind of like it made me more empathetic and like made me feel like they were like I don't know it made me f- it triggered something in me to like just like you need to keep on like defending these people you need to keep on like addressing what issues are being like violated because this is severely important and I definitely felt really moved on like moved and like I just like really wanted to help. Like in that moment, I just had like that rush to want to help or do something. So let's talk about why it's important to protest. Like, you know, hearing these audios of the protest um, remind me of the moment when I was there, just like seeing people come together to raise awareness and to amplify voices. Like honestly, just being there made it feel like energy felt so powerful and like, important and healing in a way you know mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree with that because well i only went to one but um it felt like a very like united moment or like i i could like understand other people's struggles and like it, it kind of like it made me more empathetic and like made me feel like they were like i don't know it made me f- it triggered something in me to like just like you need to keep on like defending these people. You need to keep on like addressing what issues are being like violated because this is severely important. 
and I definitely felt really moved on, like moved on, like, I just like really wanted to help. Like in that moment, I just had like that rush to want to help or do something. Right. It's almost like unsustainable, like how you, you just know you have to be there. Like if not, then who, you know, like if we're, if we have the ability and, you know, also the privilege as young people who were born in this country, like if we have that, why not be out there? Like we need to be, you know, showing an example also for like our younger generations and some of the protests um, in Pilsen specifically, I saw some families there with their children and I thought that was really powerful because although some might say that they don't understand what's going on right now, they will ask questions and we do have to answer truthfully, you know? And I think yeah. that our physical presence at these protests means so much more, like it makes everything so much more realer and it is all of our duty to like stand up for each other, stand up for the black community, because if not us, then who will? Who will care about us? Yeah, and I think it's also very important to remember that in order for us to be a part of these um, protests, we have to first listen to the black lives and the people that are experiencing, you know, the oppression and just everything that's going on in this moment. And without them, we wouldn't know how to proceed with the protests or how to know how to help them and i think that's another very important thing like when we go on protests we hear a lot of their voices and it's like that's what we need to hear and so when they say that they want unity we should give them unity you know we should be there for them if they want us to stand with them let's stand with them but one thing to remember is to not speak over them or you know like basically make it about ourselves because i've seen and um, some of the protests in downtown, there were there were some signs talking about other issues. And I was like, you know, yes, this is important. But in order to talk about that, we need to talk about the real movement that we're standing with right now. You know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes, I agree to keep the focus and definitely be aware and listen to what the Black community wants yeah. like allies to do. How can we help? Like, we are not here to say... Um, this is how we want to help. No, how can we help? How should we help? You know? um, and also it's important to talk about how to prepare for a protest. Um, you know, being a young person, I didn't really like, like I didn't really think about that before heading out to a protest. I just knew I had to be there. But, you know, the aftermath of so many things and just like learning more about it, I realized that, yeah, there's so many ways that we can be preparing as documenters, as protesters, as leaders, as allies, you know? Um, but yeah, there's a there's an amazing site of resources at the ACLU, if anyone's in interested in checking that out in more in detail. But um, yeah, there's different procedures that an organizer has to take. And also there's... Um, advice on how to deal with the police if you get stopped while protesting or if you get stopped for documenting or how to document with video and photo. So definitely it's important to try to educate yourself and know your rights so then we can better defend our Black community. Um, but yeah, going into a little bit of like the downtown on May 30th, um, Melissa, I know you were there earlier. Um, yeah, and what actually happened is I got cut off with like the evening one kind of like on the start of it and it's because you know they closed off the loop from the train they also closed off like the buses and 
I was kind of panicking because I did, I wanted to go home. Like I did not want to be caught up on that. Like I and I think it's like it's just bad that they did that. That was it's not even safe. Like they have a bunch of people who are like panicking trying to get home, and you do that to them. It's just unfair. And I know that when I was during the protest or whatever, like my group was coming other group who were attending that same protest who were like trying to find ways of like getting home or if they knew any like routes or like places to take so we could either catch like a bus or like an uber or something so it's just something that like prevents a protester to do what they want to do and actually like just stand up for themselves like the government or just like there's always something that's stopping you from doing something but you should never give up on it you know Yes, and especially even like during that day, May 30th, the curfew threw everybody off because the curfew was set to be started at 9 p.m., yet the announcement came in around 8.30-ish. Yeah, mine came at 9.30. Really? The curfew, yeah. So that's also an issue, like the way that things are just kind of impulsively being ordered by people that are not there. You know, mm-hmm. like, how are we supposed to get home? That, that's a really good point. And also, I made it in the evening because I couldn't get there because of the public transportation. And I thought that was also an issue that, in a way, was also silencing more people who wanted to make it there. Um, but, yeah, in its own way, that evening was definitely something I've never thought I'd experienced before, but it was a protest in its own way. And, you know, it extended throughout the whole night. And then in my community, um, you know, it extended to the next day on Monday. And yeah, the, the curfew extended throughout the week as well. But um, it's things like, you know, how we heard in the interviews, like at, it's, violence is not the first resort, but, you know, like when you're healing, you can tell someone how to heal. You can't tell someone how to react. Like, I'm thinking about Rachel's statement that, you know, how they mentioned that they were feeling really overwhelmed at some point and they broke down. And it's like, if if you're not black and you're feeling overwhelmed during these times, imagine how black people are feeling. Like we have to be able to support them also by checking up on them, not just showing up to spaces, you know, but I just think that we can't tell people how to behave or how to feel like they're not entitled to that. Yeah, and also, like, we don't know what they're feeling, and, like, the best we can do is just be there with them and, like, support them through the way, because it's just, it actually, when I was protesting, like, I was reflecting, like, during also, like, walking, and I was like, yeah, this is, like, to think that we're living in a generation or, like, this is a time of moment where, like, everyone is still fighting for equal rights, like, it's just very disappointing, and it's, it's, like, it's just really unfair. Like, I hated that situation because it just made me think of how, like, everything is so unfair and unjust and, like, we can't really do anything. But the best we can do is, like, actually speak up more and, like, just become more united with one another so we can, like, fight off something that has been, like, that's been, like, very unjust for, like, centuries, you know? So, yeah. And Nine, how was your experience in the Pilsen protest? Yeah, so in the Pilsen protest, um, I felt that it was more, I guess when I arrived, it was more organized, considering that, like, I feel that May 30th, when I arrived, all the major organizations and, like, the the mediators kind of, like, weren't there anymore. Um, but in Pilsen, I definitely seen that, like, the community stayed together. 
and there was a lot of people um i i believe there was a lot of people and i don't know i was just trying to document honestly i was trying to record i was trying to take it all in considering like what i had experienced on saturday like i was just kind of being aware and making sure that um i had a plan in case of anything yeah it, it was it was nice it was peaceful honestly for ash how was the little village unity march um, well, for the most part, I think it was pretty peaceful. It was amazing to see a lot of young people there and just people of all ages that were coming together. Something that happened was that there was an argument between the organizers. Um, one of them was advocating for a black cop to speak during the event. Um, ultimately, the cop did not speak, but I just wanted to make a comment about police propaganda how it is harmful to share images or like the voices of cops who are trying to be allies with us. It's like harmful to the to the movement because it dilutes it. It's just making shifting the image of the cops in the public's eyes, but it's not really creating any real change to dismantle the harmful system that they are representing. How was your experience, Gio? I agree. And like you mentioned about the interaction with the protesters. I believe we have an audio clip, so um, I think we're going to play that right now. So what happened here was that um, it was two protesters interacting, like it just clashed because um, one of the male protesters was allowing a police officer to speak up about basically how, you know, the, he's happy that the youth's doing this or whatever and that he wanted to take the time to say something, but the other protesters for saying this is not your march, this is the youth's march. And the other protester who happens to be a black woman, she was also saying the same thing. She had a, a megaphone and was telling the cop that if he wants to be a part of this movement, then he should resign. And so this that's when it escalated between that one protester who happens to be a black male and the black female and he was very aggressive to her trying to silence her down and if it wasn't for her speaking up later on the officer wouldn't have would have not acknowledged the fact that she was right that in order for him to be a part of the solution he would have to stop feeding into a system that's not meant for them because even the officer himself was a black male and so to me, it's important that we get something out of this because we cannot silence black women. Even during this movement, some black women have been like taken out of the narrative of what's going on. So like, we all know Breonna Taylor, but what about Sandra Bland? 
Pamela Turner, Corey Gaines, Chantel Davis, you know, and the list can go on. So I'm I'm not belittling the black males that passed away, you know, but we have we had to go to a point where we have where we have to make a say her name hashtag, you know. So that's something that I wanted to bring up because without black women, black men, black people in general, this wouldn't be how I don't know how to word it, but like without them, we can't continue with this movement. So we have to listen to every black perspective, not just shut black people who happen to be women or LGBT or trans or, you know, it's all their all their voices matter. Yes, I definitely agree. It's definitely still part of that's part of the problem, right? Like that we continue to like allow people to not only like silence but speak over people who need to be heard and i i think that it was re- very powerful that this was this moment was documented and um brought like to light because i mean like if i don't know to me that the idea of the cops speaking like I mean, you could say what you want in front of the protesters but it's like like who do you work for who gives you your money like at the end of the day, that's your real boss. Like, that's your real, like, um, how do I say? Like, that's your real um, focus at the end of the day. Like, we have uh, one more audio clip in regards to this scenario. So we're going to go ahead and listen to that. You have to hold yours accountable. It's unacceptable. It's built to keep us down. Go ahead, it's you. It's on you. Please move. This is a youth march. Let me say this to you. I just want to say to you, you're absolutely right. We have to hold ours accountable. Yes. But as you see today, you are marching here fully on your own, and we are working with you. But when you say that we have to hold ours accountable, you are absolutely right. And we're back, and I'm here with Emmanuel, too. So, Emmanuel, if you can introduce us. I'd like to, you know, add to, since we're talking about everything that's going on with the protests and, you know, everything that you have, that all of you guys have, um, you know, talked about. But I would like to also add, um, you know, like, what do you think uh, about what's going on with, you know, police versus journalists in, in the protests that we're seeing all around the city and even all around the country? Um, because, you know, I, I've seen several videos of, you know, we, we're all seeing, um, on social media platforms, the, the way that these police officers, um, that are, are treating the, the protesters, um, making something that, that is trying to, um, manifest positivity and change something that's peaceful and, you know, um, inject violence into, into these things that, that, you know, we're, we're protesting to fight how you're acting. And so you're going to fight how you're, you're going to fight. I saw posts saying you're going to fight police brutality with police brutality. 
And, you know, we can see that like in, in almost every video that we watch about the protests, but in specific, when it comes to press and with journalists, I think, you know, that does concern us because, you know, we are those things, we're journalists. Um, Those of us that participated in the protests, obviously we're there more as protesters in support um, and vocalizing, you know, using our voices in the protest versus being part of the like press or journalists or documenting or, you know, what have you. But I've witnessed a lot of videos of, you know, nobody's safe at this point and things that need to be documented which is everything happening every single day it 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 needs to be documented people need to see what is happening to these protesters to these these innocent people that are just trying to create change and you know are getting nothing but but violence in return i Definitely agree with what you're saying 100%. And I also think it's just censorship. Like, there, um, everyone's doing like the best they can to censor what is truly happening. We know it's a peaceful protest, but it becomes violent when a police or like just police force just lashes on us or does something. So it's definitely censorship. And like, I think also moments like these, we have a very biased news. So I would just point out Fox News is changing the narrative as like a violent protesters or a very like just like a very out of control, like unprofessional, like like protest when it's not that they're very organized they're very peaceful. And it's just a lot of these news stations choose to change the narrative. I could also point out Univision, Telemundo, which we've known that they're very like. They're just not open-minded enough and they come from like a very like they come from like Latin and like traditional like news where they like twisting the the narrative, they're like twisting the information. And right now, like as like people who are actually like being journalists there and actually like photographing and like just taking down whatever is happening is one of the most unbiased of whatever is happening. And I just think that at moments of these, like, we should just focus more on unbiased news, try to find, like, not to trust any, like, news station, because quite honestly, it's very biased, and they turn a lot of information. So I just don't agree with that. And definitely, there's, like, a lot of things that are happening with journalists who, they are, they are kind of, like, risking themselves either to be arrested or anything and also going on to a lot of black journalists who are actually being targeted by the police and actually being arrested is like very unfair and it's just censorship and it just shows how much of like a systematic like racism that we have in place where like they don't want your voice to be out or they don't want your voice to be heard by other people you know they don't want you to be informing other people what's actually happening and it's just I don't know. I just hate the situation. I hate how everything is happening. And there's even in moments like these where we're like trying to fix, like trying to stop racism from happening. We're seeing even more like racist sentiments and just like a very, just cops even being more marginalizing and being more openly racist and more biased, sexy people. It's just horrible. So yeah, that's overall my opinion on that. For sure. And I agree with 100% with what you're saying. I think it's, you know, especially in the Latino and Hispanic community, it's it's a big concern to us because that is the, the news and quite frankly, the only news that 
our parents and our community is digesting. And the only thing that, you know, the only point of view that they're receiving and, you know, these, these Spanish medias and news outlets definitely, um, like as we've seen with, with evidence and, you know, like what, just what they're saying, the kind of one-sided opinions focusing on the violence versus, versus, you know, the the power that these protests are manifesting um is definitely a concern to all of us mm-hmm. and it's our job to educate our family members and everybody around us exactly and like knowing that if we're youth or like anyone who is like young or just doesn't listen to that it's like it's kind of like our role to educate our family members and actually show them the truth and just teach them to not believe a lot of the things they listen to the news because, like, if, I'm sorry, but, like, they believe everything that's going on. And they also need to, like, expand their horizons and research for themselves because it's, it's just, it's horrible that they're, like, twisting the narrative and making things seem like what they're not. And, yeah, it's just really unfair. Completamente. But don't forget, everybody, that you are listening to WLPNLP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpin Radio. This is What's Up, Black Lives Matter, period. And now we're going to go into an interview with one of Yola Kali's young photographers, Eric Olson. Let's listen. My name is Eric. My occupation is photographer, artist, student. That's about it. I decided to attend the protest like a couple days before I seen some flyers out on it. And I was just really interested in getting involved in a movement that directly affected me more personally. And I especially wanted to document it because I just feel like we're in such time where like we're in like really in history. Like there's a lot going on with like coronavirus and then the protests and rioting and everything is just happening and clashing together. And I feel like it's so much chaos that I just have to get out and document it. And then my friends inspired me to go too. So I just feel like I had to be there. To prepare and really do too much. I didn't really know what to expect. It was my first protest. Like, I didn't know if I wanted to expect war or if I wanted to expect just a normal, peaceful protest. I didn't really know what to expect. So I was just laying around, just thinking about what was going to happen. And then I met up with my friends, and then we just went down there. We didn't really do too much preparing. Um, When I was at the protest and I arrived, I felt like unity. Like, I got off the train, and then I immediately seen a really large group of people, and then I just started following them. And I just felt like everybody was together, and they were all there for the same cause, and all there for the right purposes, and just to spread peace and love, and to spread a message further out to um, authorities that something is going wrong, and we need to fix it. So, yeah, I just really felt um, unity within everybody that was there. So it was more of, like, a history experience to me. Because it wasn't like I always had a camera in my hand, which I, I did, but it, that wasn't like my first priority. It was just kind of shocking that what I was seeing was actually happening. Like I, I felt like I just couldn't believe it. Like seeing these police use force and seeing people break car windows and jumping on um, police cars and doing a lot of stuff and like getting in police's faces, spreading their messages and stuff like that. It just felt more of like a real life experience and then photography came second, but I still made sure I could document everything that I could. But more so, it just felt like I was more in the moment rather than like just trying to capture a moment. 
I hope to use my content to possibly make a project on being black in America is what I was thinking when we returned to Yola Carly. I was thinking about making a project about what it is to be a black person, especially a black male in America, and how we are seen as threats and how people are scared of us, even though we haven't done anything just by the skin that we're in. So that's some ideas that I've had with the information, information, but the content that I've gathered from these protests, but more so maybe just make like videos just showing like the process of protesting and how it could go from peaceful to riots and how it like the real stories behind these protests and not just what the media shows capturing images is just marks down more history like who knows like 50 years from now they're going to be in history books or they'll be used in education videos you know it's just capturing it just just like documents what you've seen and how you were there and how everything felt. It just captures everything in that moment. And it's such a big moment, like a protest for Black Lives Matter. I just felt like I had to capture it. And I felt like it was really important to me personally to capture it, being a Black male in America. For me personally, I'm just trying to spread a message and use my platform to its fullest potential. But more photographers have bigger platforms, bigger audiences can spread more of a message, but ultimately capture these moments, show that we're serious about pushing the force and the message that we have to the authorities and just spread the message. And especially I blur out people's faces, protesters' faces, stop them from being identified and criminalized. So they won't have any issues just for being protesters, but you have to do your job as a photographer as well and blur out their identities because they're just there to protest. My duty as a photographer to be out here in these protests, capturing shots, it's more of just content. A lot of photographers and media people get it confused for just being content. They see a protest, they're like, oh, a lot of people are going to be there. Stuff is going to go down. Let me go out and capture content to feed to um, my followers. Like, it's more than that. It's a movement. It's a message. It's way more than just content. And yes, content is good to spread messages, but it's more than that. It's a movement. You have to be involved in that movement as well, rather than just capturing content. But for me, I capture content to spread messages on how Black people really are and how we aren't violent. We aren't thugs. We aren't looters. We aren't none of that. We're just regular people like the rest of us, and Black lives really do matter. Um, I'd say one thing that probably shocked me is I haven't looked at my video footage, but in my photos, there was this guy that was sitting like face to face with this police officer and he just would not stop talking. Like it's like they were legit having a full conversation and they were just going back at it and he was just full with rage, just talking to this officer about all his experience and and how they don't understand what he goes through and what the police put people through and such and such. And just when I got back home and like got on my laptop and seen the pictures from them, like just sitting a face to face, having a conversation, it just made it even more real. Um, you don't have to be the most vocal about Black Lives Matter movement. You can show support by donating supplies to protesters, hand sanitizers, gloves, brooms for a community cleaning, food for people that may not have gotten paychecks in a while. You can go out and protest, share your voice, allow your voice to be shared, photograph, give people the bigger messages on social media, make articles about it, 
interview people from protests. There's a lot you can really do to help um, support, even if you aren't in the best position. You have to find the way that's most useful for you. And what's most useful for me is probably going out and documenting and then trying to spread a message on the platform that I have available to me. To youth in the time like this, I would say stay motivated, stay creative, be healthy, stay in good mind mentally, physically. Being in the house for so long and not being able to do much is really, it's not the best for you, but we have to get through it. And eventually we'll be able to be back to normal. But for now, we have a lot going on, protests, coronavirus, national cars being outside, curfew, a lot of stuff on our hands. So we just have to be in the right mind for a while and then we'll get out of it and then we'll be back to normal. But for now, we have to stay strong and be together. Hello, and today we have Sarah Lamott. She's a very young reporter from TrueStar, and TrueStar is a digital platform where young people can express themselves freely about culture, relationships, environment, and personal experiences. Hello, Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm good, and yourself? I'm doing well. As a young reporter, what is the importance of youth media? What is the youth at TrueStar doing to expand conversations among activist youth? What we're doing is using our platform to encourage others to speak out on issues that they feel strongly about. Because without youth media, the only thing that we have to rely on is other forms of media, and it isn't always accurate. And a lot of the in our personal lives, stuff that we've actually gone through. And this makes other people feel more comfortable with doing the same. In your article, because I've read for some of your stuff, which is really good, by the way, um, all Thank lives you. won't matter until Black Lives Matter. You bring up the issue about the all lives matter response. Why are people still using this invalidating response? I really cannot tell you an answer because I've been wondering the same thing. And it's so frustrating and agitating to constantly hear it because all lives can't matter until every single life matters, regardless of whether you're black, you're Hispanic, you're white, you're Asian. All lives can't matter until every single life matters equally and everyone receives the same treatment. It's frustrating to constantly have to reiterate this point. And it's 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 gotten to the point where I've realized that you can't educate everyone because some people don't want to learn. Some people want to continue to live in the ignorance that they're comfortable with. Period. I feel that on a whole nother, because like, it's just, it gets frustrating to keep saying the same thing over and over again. And it's the same thing with these protests and these marches, trying to reiterate exactly what we've, Everyone's been trying to say, like, Black lives do matter. And I understand where people are coming from when they get frustrated. It's extremely tiring to constantly say the same thing over and over because it gets to the point where you feel like nobody is actually trying to listen to you. And it's just really heartbreaking that we have to even deal with this in the first place. We've been dealing with the same thing for centuries. Our grandparents and their grandparents were fighting the same problems that we were fighting. And it's sad to see that we're still fighting for the same things. Like, this is basically just modern-day slavery. Yes. And opening up about the conversation about racism and injustices, 
Do you think having this conversation with youth about these topics today is beneficial for a better future? It definitely is. We can see that now the youth are the ones that are taking the initiative to make the changes by expressing these ideas and informing people about this when they're younger, they'll be less likely to participate in racism and hatred towards different groups. And they'll be more encouraged to do things and use their privilege and use their platforms to help people like people of color, black people specifically in this instance, who need the support. And so do you think that there are enough safe spaces um, like True Star to encourage youth to, you know, start talking about um, or doing something about the world around them? There aren't nearly enough safe spaces for youth to go to, to run to, or to use their voice to speak out on issues that they see in their everyday lives. And that's another thing that's frustrating because it wasn't until three years ago that I discovered True Star. And since I've discovered it, that's something that I don't want to hide and keep to myself. I try to encourage my other friends and peers to join so they can have their voices heard and do things that they love and advocate for their people. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like like spaces similar to True Star, like Yolokali, like these are spaces that that youth thrive in and where, you know, you can get out of their comfort zone and, you know, create about change in in like the world we're living in today, definitely. Why do you think it why is it important to create safe spaces in our youth for today's generation, for colored youth especially? Without these safe spaces, people feel as if they have nowhere to go. And it's unhealthy to harbor all of these negative and toxic feelings without having some form of an outlet. I feel like we need more of these outlets and resources for teens and other youth to be able to use to express themselves. And I feel like our generation are going, they're going to be the ones to create more of these safe spaces because they see that other generations haven't been as focused on creating these safe spaces as they have been with just fighting for the cause themselves, I feel like our generation will be the ones to make a difference. And for both of you, do you think that like, do you think it's important to create safe spaces like these for the youth in today's generation of colored youth, especially? I feel like this is the perfect time. Like if not any other time before, especially because we have so many different social media outlets now. So even if you aren't able to like physically be in a place like now because of social distancing, even if you aren't able to physically be in a place, you can still use these platforms and outlets as a way to express your thoughts and feelings on different situations. I think personally, yeah, because I don't feel like enough enough youth have these type of safe spaces to express themselves or not, or even about their culture as well because in these times such as these it just it's kind of hard to like I think just to express yourself as a culture and as a people and as a minority in itself as well as a woman as a man as anything you identify don't identify as it just I'm I'm need to see more I would like to see more definitely and so true star is doing teen Teen Town Hall, could you give us some more information about what that is? And yeah, just some more details. So in the Teen Town Halls that True Star hosts, we include teens from across the city, different backgrounds, different colors, just different people, like a variety of people who all want change for Black people and other people of color. 
and we talk about the different things that we see in the media and the different things that a lot of us who have been out protesting have seen and what things we would like to do and plan to do to make a difference and to make things better for our people. And we talk about personal encounters and experiences with people who we go to school with and family members or just everyday people we interact with and how they react to the situation. And a lot of the True Star youth who are in these teen town halls are advocates for informing others and educating others on situations that they may not be knowledgeable on. And um, how to, um, again, for both of you, how do you think that we can encourage more youth and people to use, you know, their platforms and their power for good and to support, you know, the movement, especially uh, today, like the Black Lives Matter movement? I feel like, you know, even just being involved um, as a young person, um, being involved in these um, these programs like Trusar and Yorokali and, you know, so many others, um, I think be, being involved in using that platform and the resources and tools that these organizations provide to spread the word and, you know, educate not only other youth um, that are in our social circles, but, you know, to the adults that, that listen to, to the conversations that we have. By allowing youth to know that their voice can make a difference and have a significant impact, I think more people will be willing to step up and speak out on issues that they feel strongly about. I've noticed that a lot of my peers haven't spoke out about anything because they feel like what they're saying is insignificant and it'll get lost in the noise of everything that everyone else is saying, but that's not the case. The more of us that speak out on the issue, the more likely we are to actually see the changes that we're fighting for. But I feel like a lot of people don't feel like their voice matters and allowing them the space and opportunity to use their voice for good will show them that it actually does matter and it can have a positive impact on others. I completely agree, Sarah. Like, I feel like if we were able to, like, provide these safe spaces like Yolokali and True Star to voice opinions such as that for youth and telling them that, like, yes, your voice matters. Yes, we want to hear your opinions. Yes, we want to hear what you have to say. I feel like if we inform more youth, like, there's places like these, I feel like we'll have a great, better vision of the future if we have more youth looking into organizations such as these. That way they know that their voice matters what they have to say makes a difference and doesn't get lost in the noise, like you were saying. And so, um, Sierra, could you tell us um, a bit more about how we could find out more information about True Star and the teen, the teen town halls? So you can find us on Facebook. The Facebook name is True Star. And our blog is truestar.life. Truestar.life. And Lots of articles are being posted there and there are links to other social medias found in the website. And some people have been participating in the podcast and speaking out on how they feel there instead of using like words on documents that get posted that way. But there are a lot of resources and resources on things that could help besides just the protesting. Because I've noticed that a lot of people feel that protesting is the only way when spreading information about resources such as just literature and 
documents to sign and petitions to sign and places to donate also helps. Um, we have things like that on the blog as well. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. Just thank you so much for your input and everything you've done. Thank you for allowing me to use my platform to speak out on things that I feel strongly about. You know, you're you're so amazing, and I think that the a lot of the answers that you gave um, were were so. You know, I I, I feel that, and I think you know, all of us participating in this radio show today can say, you know, we feel that because at the end of the day, the most important thing we have is our voice. And if if we're not using that to our advantage to advocate and to spread awareness about what's going on, then people are going to stay uninformed and uneducated about what we think about what's going on. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. And so now let's jump into a conversation to talk a little bit about social media outlets that are complying and favoring the law enforcement. I feel that it's a way to allow the police enforcement and government authorities to maintain their power and to basically shut down anything that goes against that. Because like I said earlier, centuries issues be by government or by police or anybody who has any amount of authority and they're just continuing to do whatever they can to make our voices not be heard and to continue to have their power because that's where they're comfortable i agree with that totally and just going on to how social media is like i don't know if you guys are aware but you know a lot of like cops are using Twitter or using other platforms, so other civilians or whatever could kind of um, report any protesters who are doing anything, and that's how they use their platform to basically restrict a lot of people. And obviously, a lot of people aren't like dealing with that; they don't want to follow that. So they've just been messing with the police force, just been like kind of sending them memes or whatever and just like clogging up their space where it's limiting them to be able to stop anything that's happening. And I think that's very important. Just using the power of social media, you can really do anything. And like literally everyone has a part. If you don't want to like, if you can't protest or you don't have money to donate or anything, you can be one of those people who are like just limiting the police from doing anything, just clogging up their any system that they're using. And I think that's totally important. And I think it's also important because in social media, um, we have seen um, some case, like, I'm sure y'all have seen that during protests, like we always make it clear that if you're gonna post something on social media, make sure to blur out any, you know, black people or just anybody in the protest so that they can be found. And there has been cases where like people are not doing that and like, even like FBI agents are coming into people's homes and like even just with an image of knowing who is protesting or who is looting or like things like that, you know, they it's affecting black lives in that way too. I totally agree with that. And like just knowing just other people should inform themselves on the precautions and what they upload on social media. And yeah, it's severely important to either blur out the faces of people to keep their identity safe 
and also use your platform to get stuff out. You can still get the message across with a blurred face, and that's even more important because you're advocating for, for the protest, for the march, for the meaning, and you're also using your platform to keep other people safe, and you're balancing that at the same time. So I do think that's important. And it's also important that people need to keep up with actual events and current events that are actually happening. And just don't use a lot. Don't just focus on one news source. Focus on many and kind of form your own interpretation on it. And make sure you're the most educated right now because a lot of people are spewing out other stuff or like, and then there's other people who are misinterpreting stuff. So I think it's also really important for like people to just educate themselves on what's happening, and especially and just like the the city or like location that they're in, because stuff could happen, and God like forbid that anything happens like just that endangers someone. So yeah. So Sierra, do you have any last words? I just want to tell the youth to use their voice as much as they possibly can, whether it be through marching, petitions, spreading literature, or just informing others and educating others who aren't as informed as them. Use your platform, use your voice for good to help others to do the same thing. Well, that was it for our conversation. Next, we're going to be playing a clip. And thank you so much, Sierra, for joining us in this conversation and voicing out your opinion because it's really important. So now we're going to take a quick break and listen to another Vox Populi, and we'll be right back. But don't forget that you are listening to What's Up? Black Lives Matter, period. Hey y'all, with everything going on right now, there is many people voicing their narrative and speaking up, using their huge platforms, resources, and being activists for the cause. However, I wanted to hear from the people, the students, workers, educators, health workers, and so many more. I wanted to give a platform to all members of the community to express their ideas, opinions, and concerns. Here, I interviewed adults from the community. Let's hear what they had to say. Can you tell me what Black Lives Matter means to you? Black Lives Matter means everything to me. As a queer Black artist, as a Black American, you know, not only is it a movement that we are continuing to push forward, but it's my everyday life, you know? It's something that I wake up in, I go to sleep in, I dream in, like every fabric of my being. It's not just, you know, going out and protesting and spreading the, the word and everything. I think Black Lives Matters is me just living because as a Black person, just living is a, a form of resistance and a form of protesting. To me, it means being able to live who I am and in general, who whoever the person is, live a life that you don't have to be scared to walk out of your door every day. It means being confident that when you walk out the door, you don't have to think about or worry about what people will think of you, how people will perceive you just based on the, the color of your skin and rather the content of your character, how you act, how you uphold your personal morals, your personal identity, whatever the case may be. You know, people will always respond with well all lives matter and this life matters but what i feel like they're trying to bring the spotlight to is when you're having black people killed on a daily basis and people have just become so numb where it feels like it doesn't matter to anybody other than the black community um when you know i mean we had laquan mcdonald here and every time i pass by i wonder how many people drive by 
life and don't even know that that's where he lost his life. And nobody seems pleased about it. Nobody seems upset about it. So I think that that's what Black Lives Matter is that they're trying to really put a spotlight that, hey, you know what? This is a human being because they're Black doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to the rest of the world. What is your perspective on the protests and riots that occurred throughout the week? I think very much so people need to speak out. The protesting and the rioting, I think it's, it's, it's a combination of anger, pain, sadness, hurt. I think the rioting is also just, it's a combination of everything. You know, coronavirus, we've been in isolation, but the Black community and people of color, Latinos have been hit harder. Uh, there's been more deaths in Black people and Latino people with coronavirus. They don't have access to healthcare to get tested, to get the treatment, to go to the hospital. You know, and this was just kind of like the last straw. And people are just frustrated and upset uh, because it's not just this one thing. It's just the inequality across the board in everything. And all you could do is kind of sit back and support um, how people show their pain and anger. I'm all for protest. I think that officials need to be pushed to a limit. Rage is what they're feeling. Rage is what the people in Minneapolis are going to get, you know? Like that, just seeing that video that resurfaced on, on media and everywhere else. But as things started moving out to other cities in the United States was when things started feeling a little bit more intense. Especially when, when it came to like the area where I live at in the Little Village community. People that so-called call themselves Black Lives Matter protesters were not even part of the protest. There were people that were taking advantage of the situation or were just trying to be a part of the trend just because they seen that there was some type of destruction going on. They didn't even know what they were fighting for, what they were looting, which is basically what most of the people that took advantage of the situation were looking for, some place to loot, you know? Small businesses were destroyed and that's when I was just like, what the hell? Like, this is not how it's supposed to be going down it was just like a whole roller coaster of emotions i think it is righteous anger i think it is needed i think anytime that there is a lack of equity in a structure the people that are on the the losing end or the bottom end of that totem pole will be ready to fight and ready to get what they rightfully deserve as human beings we are looking at the symptoms versus the the actual illness and the illness is white supremacy. And everyone is wondering why Black people are so angry, but they're not wondering why or how we can stop white supremacy from taking our, you know, Black, Brown, and Indigenous people from us. What would you say is the importance of raising our voices against injustices? And at what point is just saying something not enough? It kind of falls into the gray area, right? And by gray area, I mean, when is enough enough? I do hope that legislation legislators, senators, Black caucus, the Latino caucus, we all unite and really put some laws out there to prevent this from happening the least possible. Obviously, you know, the, the answer to say like, well, raising your voice is of course that's important. Like that's the first thing that any of us have is our voice. So it's definitely important to raise your voice because when people stay silent, then what they're doing is they're staying silent in the face of injustice. And that's the same thing as perpetrating injustice. The time for just using your voice has like long since passed. You know, now is the time to use your voice, but also to combine that with other really like active things like protesting, donating money, signing petitions, contacting your representatives, amplifying 
amplifying black voices, providing support when you can, and like maybe then just using your voice to really actively take on racism when you see it. Just saying something is not enough, I feel, because we've been saying stuff this entire time. And I think at some point we have to realize that just talk and just educating white America about the plight of black Americans, it's not working. And I mean, um, we're literally walking around like with signs asking to not be killed. And at what point does just advertising for yourself and people that look like you not to be killed not be enough? And I say, honestly, it started to not be enough when we realized that we weren't being listened to. Why should we unite and support movements that are against systematic racism and injustices? Systematic racism that has been going on since forever. Whatever happens to our brothers and sisters, right? It's like if it happens to us, just being there for each other because that's what we're supposed to do. People of color really have to unite because we do share similar struggles and uh, we have also been oppressed. Supporting them is like supporting us because sooner or later it does happen to our community as well. So when we support them, we're also supporting our Latino brothers and sisters because it does happen to us as well. Um, I work in healthcare, and I can tell you right now that when I go in and I talk about, well, you know, that community doesn't have the resources, and I'm explaining that to white people, and they've never lived in Little Village or, you know, Inglewood, the south side of Chicago, or they've never even driven through it, but they're making decisions about what's, what's going in which neighborhood, you know, and they look at me like I have two heads because I live in these areas, and I know people who live in these areas. So we just really need to, um, in order to make an impact, we need to help each other um, to make a difference, but we have to be in those positions of leadership as well. So we need to continue to move forward and kind of put ourselves in those positions so we can make changes. Systematic racism and injustices have been going on for years. We unite to bring the minorities of the, the city, the the country. They're the ones that have been robbed from education, education that leads to insecurities within the communities. And they just feel hopeless only to be put to work. And to them, working is better than being educated. And that's part of what systematic racism is trying to get at. You know, they're trying to rob people from their education. Raising your voice is part of the reason why these movements come into play. They're trying to get people to listen. They're trying to get people to understand and come together and understand that their norm is not supposed to be a norm. And finally, what is the next step after this? What can we do as members of our community? For one, we need to vote. As a person who doesn't like speaking out and is really quiet and shy, this really makes me nervous. But I think the first step is talking to your peers, talking to your friends, neighbors, researching what you could do, donate to campaigns right now. It's hard to say, to be honest. The next step you quite obviously would want is things to just go back to normal and you don't have to worry about the racist comments and the racist posts and prejudice against you wherever you go people looking at you when you go to the store and thinking you're stealing or whatever the case may be you would want the next step to be like magic like everything just changes everything's fine we're living this peaceful world but i think it will take some time to get there and and work to a place where some things can change and laws can be passed to help our situation but i feel that it's going to be it's going to be a while the next step for me is to continue to educate myself on the issues that are affecting the black community and what my role is in that and what I can do to kind of counteract some of these like negative forces 
to listen. That to me seems to be like the number one thing that white people need to do is to listen. It's time to step up and do something about the systemic oppression and racism that's been plaguing the black community for over 400 years in America and seriously restructure our broken system that continuously protects people in power with privilege and doesn't protect anyone else. But I do think that we do need to work in our communities to bring our own people up, raise people, raise the standards, shoot high, be the best at what you're going to do, be the greatest and represent our community, you know, as a Latino, as a people, person of color, don't sell yourself short, you be great, you go out there, you make a difference, because that's what we need. We need more young people who are not afraid to be advocates and just be different and, and teach us older folks about how it's supposed to be so that when you guys are adults and you have children, we don't have this kind of thing, like it's not going to be tolerated anymore. We have a Dorito in the office who is undoing all of the changes we've made in previous years. Literally, as time goes on, things are changing back and, and going back to the way they used to be, which is not helpful for anyone, regardless of your beliefs. It's just been time. Even in the times of slavery, it's, it's always been a time to, to move past just speaking and just talking and being quiet about something is also being complacent. Raising your voice, it, there has to be action. America was built on the backs of slaves. Like the America would not be the superpower. It would not have one of the largest economies in the world without chattel slavery. And I think once we, as a whole, as an entire nation, understand that and have some thoughts about that and have some conversation about that, I think we can move into, you know, talking about reparations for one thing, but also just talking about healing the womb that is still here. And once we start to to have a national conversation, a global conversation even, because white supremacy is not just an American thing. I think America has just capitalized on it. And I think once we start having a global conversation about white supremacy and its role in destroying the lives of so many people and its role in continuing the oppression of marginalized groups, I think then we can move forward to a world that is here for not just a few, but for everybody, no matter what you look like.